Hi, I'm Rob from RobNoFoto.com and this is the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. This is episode 236 for the 14th of June 2014 and it's been an amazing day here in the uh, in Gosport in UK on the south coast of Great Britain. I say amazing, it was sunny this afternoon but it was raining this morning. I've had to kind of put the washing out, bring it back in, do all sorts of things. But I hope everybody else has had a really nice few weeks um, since we uh, last talked. Um, right, so today's podcast is going to be a little bit sort of catching up with what I've been up to over the last couple of weeks and a few ideas to deal with drab photographs. I got a question off a, a friend of mine, you know, saying, look, you know, I go out with my camera. And I have often interesting landmarks and subjects in front of me. But, you know, I get home and I'm a little bit disappointed with how the photograph looks. So I thought I'd talk uh, a little bit about that, maybe with some ideas kind of thing. Because that's the sort of thing that I come across all the time when I'm out shooting. When I get home and I think, oh, that wasn't particularly great. Or, you know, I'm standing in front of a subject when I'm out and about thinking, oh, how can I make the most of this particular scene? But first off, a little bit of a catch up. So a couple of weeks ago. I kind of made the effort to really start going out and taking photographs as soon as I get some spare time. You know, so if I've got, if I've got a spare hour or two hours, that's it. I'll jump in the car. I'll go somewhere, particularly where I haven't been before. That That's that's a real big thing, um, to just take some photographs. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a Saturday where I had a couple of hours free, and I thought, right, I jumped in the car, and I started driving towards Southampton. And I thought, well, I don't really want to go into the centre of Southampton because that could be a bit of a nightmare with the traffic and trying to find parking and stuff. So in the end, I went down to a place called Woolston, which is actually across the River Itchin from Southampton. There's this massive bridge called the Itchin Bridge. And I was just going to sort of park near it and take some photographs of the bridge. But I thought, right, well, why don't I walk over the bridge? And... I don't know if I've shared this before, but I'm actually really scared of heights. You know, if I get onto a stepladder, I feel dizzy. And this, I don't know, it's probably 300, 400 feet high, this bridge, I think, anyway. So <laughs> it's a road bridge with two big pavements on the side. So you've got to cut, and it goes up really high and comes uh, and comes down. So it's got a real angle to it. So you've got to picture me sort of walking up this bridge right by the road, you know, the road side of the pavement, you know, the, the, the curb. Because I'm like... <laughs> Now, I know the bridge isn't moving, but it feels like it's moving. And every time I go to look over the edge, I'm like, whoa, I don't feel uh, don't feel too good. But I kind of persevered and got some interesting shots from the top and down towards Southampton. And then when I got to the other side, I thought, well, I'm here now. I might as well walk on a bit. So I walked up through old Southampton up until up to up to sort of one end of the high street and took some photos i wish i'd had some more time and i should have brought a drink with me actually so i was starting to get a bit thirsty but i was pushed for the time that day but i kind of looped back around went back across the bridge jumped in the car and zoom home and it was a really good photo walk and i'd really encourage anybody you know even if you've only got a few minutes you know, try and go somewhere new where you haven't been before because it's kind of fired up my photography again and today, again, I had another sort of situation where I had a couple of hours free. And so I wanted, I've always wanted to go to Winchester and do a, do a quick photo walk around the sort of uh, town centre there. And I went on Google and I saw that Winchester was only 40 minutes away. So I thought, right, sod it. So I jumped in the car and uh, zoomed down the motorway, down the M27, up the M3, into Winchester, chucked the car in a little car park. I only put an hour's parking on the car because I knew I had, you know, that's all I really had time for. 
um, kind of went up the high street, a little bit of the high street, went around Winchester Cathedral. I went around the outside and again, you know, did a bit of street photography, took lots of kind of urban landscape type building shots, architecture shots. And it was really good fun. I really enjoyed myself so much being out and about with my camera, just taking photographs of things that caught my eye, which is essentially what I'm all about, really. If you were to say, why do you, what do you enjoy about photography? Well, for me, it would be taking photographs of things that I think are interesting and they just sort of catch my eye and, and walking around. And I like that. I guess I quite like a little bit of the thrill as well of taking photographs in public spaces, you know, when people are around. Because, you know, you do get a bit of an adrenaline buzz. Uh, of course, I, I enjoy the final product and getting home and um, looking at them. But being out and about in the great outdoors, well, in, in urban landscapes, you know, city centres and stuff, stuff really, does, uh, really does float my boat. And I really enjoy it. And I even had somebody, I was walking up a little side street and a guy stopped his car and said... Hey, I see you've got a bandolier-type strap on. I'm thinking about getting one. So I gave him a quick kind of review of the Black Rapid RS7 strap that I was wearing, which um, if you were to ask me what is, has been probably my best accessory that I've ever bought um, to improve my photography, I would say that you know a bandolier strap like the Black Rapid RS7 is so good because it makes it so comfortable to carry your camera for long periods of time. You, you just don't think it's there so i did my quick hour photo walk jump back in the car and zoom home a couple of other things that i've been doing that um i'll put the links in the show notes over on rub9photo.com for sel episode 236 i've done a quite a long video guide to the uh, olympus trip 35 if you're thinking about getting a small compact film camera probably one of the best cameras in the world the trip 35 i know when i did i did a video i think or not no i did an article last year where i i it was between the Trip 35 and the SRT 101 because they're both manual cameras that don't really need batteries. And at the time, I kind of chose the SRT 101 Minolta Film SLR. But, you know, I think it may be really be the Trip because, you know, you just don't need any batteries to run it. You just throw your, throw your, throw your film in it, you take it out, and it exposes automatically all you've got to do with the zone focusing. So I've done a guide about that. And I've also done the mother of all reviews for the Zoom H1 Handy Recorder. Uh, I know I've been talking about video quite a lot, so I'm going to try and avoid it in this podcast. But one of the real good ways that you can improve any video that you're taking is by improving the audio. And a real popular recorder for audio is the Zoom H1 Handy Recorder. And so what I've done is, over on YouTube, and again I'll put the links in the show notes, is I've done this massive long video, I think it's about 40 minutes long, where I'm recording different, uh, recording with a H1 in different situations. So there's me talking into it, like I am now, where I'm using it as a, uh, just with, just just as a, a recorder using the stereo mics on it. I use it with the lab mic, I use it a little bit further away, I use it on top of my SLR, I use it using a... Um, uh, a line in jack straight into the SLR. I even go out on location and I record down by the beach. That's quite funny because you can't hear what I'm saying. And I in some woods and all that sort of stuff. So if you're thinking about getting a Zoom H1 and are perhaps interested in what results you can get out of it, then go over to YouTube and watch that because um, I think it's quite good. It gives you a really good idea that the Zoom H1 is a great recorder. But, you know, it does have its limitations and it's really important to know those before you splash the cash and spend sort of £70 uh, pounds or, I guess, about uh, $100 in the US. So, getting back to the main subject of today's podcast, why 
are my photos so drab? I'm, I'm really talking about outside shots here. Because it can be really frustrating when you go out to what seems like an interesting location, only to find out that when you get home, your photos are all they're all a little bit flat, they're all a little bit boring. Um, and this can happen quite a lot, especially when you get a DSLR, because um, you're kind of used to often with compact cameras, and even the cameras on your phone, to getting quite dramatic shots. You get this really expensive DSLR with these fabulous lenses on, and you get home and you upload the pictures to your computer, and they're all a little bit... A little bit, ugh, you know, not not much to them. And the first thing you have to understand is a lot of digital files, they are like that. They come out of the camera a little bit uh, with a lack of contrast. And this is especially the case if you're shooting in RAW. Um, because uh, when, you, when you shoot a RAW photograph, you've got all this data there. And that really has to be processed in your post-processing software in Lightroom and Picasso and Photoshop, etc. Uh, the GIMP. And that's where you add the contrast, the sharpness, the saturation. Um, it will just look flat from the camera. So, what I'm really going to be talking about um, for a few minutes is the settings that you can um, set your camera to and the processes you could use... Um, and then maybe talking about changing when or where you shoot and being really aware of what the light is doing. What it all kind of, in essence, tends to come down to is, is two things. It's either we're trying to increase the contrast if the light is a little flat, like it's an overdraft, overcast day, or trying to in, sort of even out the exposure if the light is too bright, if it's a really, really sunny day. But let's talk about processing first. So, in the days of film, we didn't really have to worry about this because the type of film you chose, um, and to some extent the type of processing that was used to it, but the type of film would uh, would give you the type of look you were looking for, whether you're looking for like for a soft portrait or um, a dramatic landscape. You know, whether you were going for like a Fuji film or a Kodak, they all had slightly different looks, and so you could choose a film accordingly. But these days, there's no film or the settings in your camera, and you can do an awful lot in your camera as well. So get that manual out or start playing with it and go and look at things like scene settings. This is what Canon tends to call them. And what you can do is you can go in and you can change things like um, uh, contrast, saturation, sharpening, all this sort of stuff. And this will bake in those changes when you take a JPEG. So in, in effect, you're changing the look of the photograph. Um, and it means that you can improve... I use improve in inverted commas. You can change the look of your photographs in camera rather than having to fiddle around with them when you get home on your PC. Um, so, for example, on my 600D, um, they call them picture styles, and you've got standard, portrait, landscape, or custom. Um, you can change the things, and there's a black and white filter, uh, black and well, black and white picture style too. And with that one, you can uh, even add like a uh, a filter effect, like a red, a green, or a yellow filter. But remember, when you add these picture styles or whatever they call them on your camera, it only affects JPEGs. It won't affect RAW files. Um, so <laughs> you could say that's a good good reason to shoot. JPEGs or maybe shoot JPEG and RAW because you might find that you know the JPEGs you really like when you get home but you've still got those RAW files if you want to go in and have all that elbow room for doing some some different type of processing. 
Now your camera also might have effects that you can apply to photos that you've already taken that are still on the camera. And generally this definitely will produce new JPEGs even if you've taken RAWs. Um, so for example on my Canon 600D T3i you can apply a fisheye effect, um, a soft focus effect, you can uh, apply grainy black and white, a toy camera or a tilt shift. And what the camera does is it just applies this effect and saves it as a different JPEG and it's really quick and really easy. I don't use it very often because I tend to do all my post-processing on the computer but it's there. Now some cameras especially uh, compacts and um, compact system cameras you can apply all sorts of amazing effects like HDR effects and when you're using electronic viewfinder or using the, the, the screen on the back of your camera, you can see those those things in effect while you're taking the photograph, which is amazing. Um, and you can get really, um, really artistic. But again, and I'll, you know, I'll say this, less is more. Just because something looks fantastic on the back, the back of the screen when it's a really small photo might not look so great when you've seen it, you know, a couple of weeks later and you've got this super contrasty, super... Uh, grainy HDR so maybe if you ask do do a shot like that take a standard shot as well now when you get home and copy the photos to your PC you'll at least want to add a little contrast make those blacks a little blacker make those whites a little whiter maybe you use a level adjustment maybe curves but this is easily done in all photo editing software and again just remember less is more and don't be afraid to save several different versions of the same photo so you can look at them over a few days and decide which is the version you like most and you want to share with the world i'd recommend picasa to get started which is free and i've done loads of tutorials on that over on youtube maybe photoshop elements or lightroom from adobe if you want to get a little more serious now let's quickly talk about what you can do when you're shooting now the time of day is critical the best landscape photographers go out early and they stay late um, they avoid the middle of the day because they're looking for the golden hours when the light might be nice and warm in the evening or nice and cool in the morning the shadows are deep the colors are saturated they know to avoid the noonday sun and they'll be using polarizing filters to enhance colors and cut down on glare Unfortunately, for the rest of us, we don't always get a choice of when we can shoot, but with a little knowledge, we can adapt our shooting to try and make the best of things. Now, obviously, you can try and go out early in the morning or late afternoon, but if you can't and the sun is bright, take real close attention to that direction of that sun. If the sky is really bright behind your subject, say a building, the building will silhouette or just go all black and you'll lose all detail, which you know can be a good look. Um, or you could increase your exposure using uh, exposure compensation or if you're in manual mode, you know, just um, let the shutter stay open longer or um, open up the aperture. Um, but then the sky will blow out, which again isn't always a bad thing. But the other thing is to just find a different angle. You know, if the, if it's the sky is bright behind the building, try and get behind the building or to the side of the building so the sun will be lighting it directly. You won't have a silhouette anymore and it will even out the exposure. The other thing you can do if it's very, very bright and, you, and it's really challenging is look for details rather than picture postcard shots. Zoom in or get closer and eliminate the sky. Um, or, you know, if you're going for silhouettes, make your silhouettes really strong to get what you're looking for. An example of that was really today when I was out taking pictures of Winchester Cathedral. I was kind of wandering around 
and one side of the cathedral, you know, the sky was very bright, so I was basically getting silhouettes. But I just walked around to the other side. The sun, although it was directly lighting the cathedral, um, it meant that it was lighting it, and the sky was a lot bluer behind the building. And I think I got some better-looking shots. Um, and you'd be really amazed how moving around to a different angle can drastically change the balance of light in a situation, even in difficult situations like, you know, like midday. Um, if you're out in a bright and it's very bright and you're shooting portrait, look for open shade, you know, where underneath the tree or something like that. Um, but don't be afraid to light from the side or the back. That can look very dramatic or very dreamy and wash things out. But tr try and avoid anything where the light is in your subject's eyes where they're going to have to squint. Now, drab overcast days like we get an awful lot of in the UK can be really, really hard to shoot um, landscapes and cityscapes. You lose contrast because... It doesn't really matter the angle that you are around the building because the sky is just a massive softbox and light is bouncing around everywhere and everything kind of goes grey. Now this is great for shooting people but it's not so good for buildings or if you like dramatic shots. My solution here is again move around. There might be some variation in the light but again maybe don't go for the big all-encompassing wide-angle view. Go tight, go telephoto and pick out the details. If you're close enough, pop up the flash and use that to add some variation. Maybe think about depth of field. Dial in a big aperture, get close and get artistic. Remember, keep looking all around because often the best scene is the one that's right behind you. A good example of this would be when I went on that uh, trip to Southampton, the sky was very overcast at points. So again, everything became a little bit blur. So again, I was looking for details and I was looking to to kind of pick out things and avoid the sky where I could. Now, also, these are a few things that I'll, you can really try that will help. Um, high dynamic range photography, HDR photography. If you're, at the, if you're ever in a situation where the lighting conditions are difficult, either very, very bright or very, very bland, be amazed the extra detail and extra texture of shooting a three-shot HDR. Or if you're shooting in RAW, you can pull HDRs out of single rules or even JPEGs, but they get a bit noisy. And so if you want to do that, download a, a software like Photomatics. If you're a Google user and you have Google Backup, when you upload your photos, it'll automatically create HDRs of that. And an example of that would be, I don't know if you've seen the plane shots on my Flickr photo stream, but basically there was all these historic planes fly, flying past kind of celebrating uh, D-Day, but they were against the bright sunshine against a bright sky but there was also lots of clouds so it was very difficult basically these planes were just silhouettes or if the planes weren't silhouette the sky blew out so again i used hdr to pull out hdrs of single raw files to bring back the details in the sky in the airplane and that can work very well for city and uh, landscape shots too also go black and white you'd be amazed at how many what you think is a drab photograph you know um go black and white increase the contrast even more and all of a sudden it becomes an artistic piece of work here's something for you to put on your must-do list find out where the sun rises or maybe it sets past the local landmark that you want to take a photograph and either get there early and shoot at sunrise or late and shoot at sunset but here's the rub get there half an hour before and stay half an hour later don't just shoot in the in the direction of the sun. Look the other way. You will be amazed at the different colours you get before sunrise 
and after sunset. I must admit, after sunset's probably easier in the summer because it's easier to stay out. All of a sudden, you can be standing there 10 minutes after the sun has gone and the sky will just light up with all these different colours which will then light up the subjects around me, around you, around me, around you. Anyway, that's enough from me. Thanks everybody on Flickr for taking part in the photo group and adding their photos and taking part in the assignments. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for everybody for putting the reviews on iTunes and all the different places. That really helps get to get more listeners. Thanks everybody who visits robinonphoto.com. Everybody who comments over on YouTube. But most of all, I'd like to thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast. My name's Rob from robinonphoto.com. Remember, you can contact me, scalespeed at gmail.com. And hopefully... Pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr.